Feeling tired at the gaming table? Want to hear foul-mouthed jackasses poke fun at gaming companies when they screw up? Want an honest, street-level opinion from a team of gamers that call it like it is? Then Blunt Force Gamers may be the podcast for you. Listener discretion advised. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and gamers of all ages. It is I, your host, Game Goblin, flying solo this week due to unforeseen circumstances. Those circumstances being that uh, our podcast is usually recorded just to hop, skip, and jump outside of the shadow of the Space Needle. So uh, if you put two two together, you can pretty much figure out what's going on over here. Anyway, given that, there's a... let's see, let's go for a cheerier topic this week. How about that? So instead of the usual uh, stuff you're going to see on the interwebs right now about the current situation here uh, in the Emerald City, let's talk about something that's kind of near and dear to my heart. Something that you guys can definitely uh, take for the, well, for lack of better words, just take the GM to the ringer, right? So what we can do here is uh, think creativity. And the two main topics that I'm going to go on for today, and this is going to be a shorter podcast than normal since I'm flying solo, so expect maybe only 30 minutes or so of having your ears violated. So the near and dear topic, of course, number one is poppets. I did a video on this. It's on YouTube. Don't watch it. It's terrible. I made it without a script, and it was just bad. Because poppets is a very thorough topic to get into when it comes to making the rules scream in your favor. And the other one is druids. And for lack of better words, if you're playing a druid, you might want to go straight up and be a force of nature, like seriously, weapon of mass destruction. So let's let's start with let's start um Oh my god, there's so much fun. There's so many places to start. Well we're gonna start with poppets though, because that's a little bit easier. So, if you're building a Promethean Alchemist, uh, according to Dungeons & Dragons Pathfinder rules, so we're going by Pathfinder 1.0, not 2.0. If you're playing a Promethean Alchemist, you can start off with Poppets right out of the gate at level 1, kind of as a freebie, plus you get your Harmonicalist. And most spellcasters can take this feat really easily. Some of them get uh, certain bonuses, of course, early on for taking crafting. And Poppets are a economy destroyer if not kept in check. So your GM, if he's looking at the numbers and starts crunching how much it costs to create a Poppet versus how much it takes to sell one, yeah, you can walk into a kingdom, pretty much clear out all their lumber yards and turn a profit and turn right around and do it all over again. But uh, Poppets have a really awesome kind of niche to them. Uh, considering that they are constructs, they don't need to eat they don't need to sleep they don't need to breathe they are completely loyal and albeit a bit dumb they're, they're a bit slow in the head because well they're basically little tiny mannequins they are one of the penultimate little guys to have as your undead fighter so if the game is taking place in a situation where there's lots of undead uh for your starters there especially low level uh, Poppets can stand against a skeleton pretty easily if outfitted correctly because being constructs they can wield magical arms and armor little uh, power gaming tip there if you want to uh, give a plus one sword to a tiny little miscreant that and deck him out in custom armor that's tiny 
Forgive me, I'm uh, having my end-of-work breath mint here, the nasty kind. Anyway, the uh, puppets, they go along and do things that most people can't do. So you could have them be your camp guards because they don't sleep. So that makes rotating your shift easy. You give a puppet, say, a magic item that casts alarm on it. The puppet notices something. It will, you know, ring the bell and wake everyone up. They don't have the greatest perception skills. However, it's better than having everybody fall asleep in the middle of your camp. And you also got to look at crafting materials. Uh, most puppets, they're basically like little dolls. They're made out of wood. However, I do not see a reason both as a player and a GM that you could not make one out of, say, porcelain. You can't make one out of cloth. I, I don't see a reason why you can't do that. Uh, as long as the materials are within a cost variable of what it takes to create a puppet, regardless. So if you're going with a doll maker theme of your character, I can definitely see a doll maker making his puppets out of a combination of wood and other materials such as ceramic. So there is some options there, especially given how they're designed that between the player and the GM, you should have a lot of leeway for what materials you use as long as, say, the gold price is paid, which is really fairly cheap anyway. And some materials back then, like ceramic or porcelain, are going to be more expensive. However, building a uh, poppet out of metal, I would kind of, as a GM, say no, unless it's a softer material or one that has a lighter weight to it. And as far as wood is concerned, of course, you have a huge variety of choices when it comes to wood. So if you're building a sneak poppet, you're basically building a little buddy to help out the rogue. Also, you could look into woods like balsa. Balsa is a very lightweight wood, not exactly durable, but definitely would help with those sneaking skills. Uh, if you're building a poppet to be a dungeon bunny, which is basically send the little guy out before you and check for traps by setting them off. Uh, your dungeon bunny might want to be made out of a sterner stuff, like mahogany or oak wood. And if you're building a poppet to be more along the line of something that's, um, say, like a, a little flammable buddy that you're going to send out forth, you're going to just light the little bastard on fire and send him at your enemies. Uh, I would go for something that's a fast-burning wood uh, in the lines of pine. Uh, pine's a very hot burning wood, burns very fast compared to some of the others. So you got to remember that you're going to have different materials to use. And if you're playing a spellcaster who's going to be just straight up malicious, uh, go ahead and look up the manchineel tree, which is native here to the North Americas. Uh, it's a tree that even when it rains, you are warned not to stand underneath it, not to stand within a certain distance of that tree because just... Breathing the surrounding air can be bad for your lungs. Touching the bark can be bad for you. And there's plenty of trees like this all over the world. There's trees in Africa where you don't lean against them because they will uh, burn you. The, the bark is caustic to human skin. So remember that when you're building your poppet, to be thematic, be creative. Don't go just by the rules as said. Uh, if you do, it kind of limitates... Uh, limitates... Uh, wordplay, that's what happens. It limits your overall effectiveness as a spellcaster when you create these, plus it kind of hinders your own creativity. So if you just go by the straight core rules, sure, you can build a poppet, you have a little dude, and he's kind of bland, or she's kind of bland, or whatever form you want to give it. Plus, they uh, have modifications for poppets, which is a lot of fun. 
You can do little armored poppets. You can do basically poppets that are little cargo haulers for you. So if you want to build a, a tiny rickshaw, you're playing a halfling, you build a tiny rickshaw and have it pulled around by uh, poppets. You can have these poppets uh, with little harnesses on them that can carry extra weight. So you can go out on the town as a halfling with your uh, gnomish date or your halfling date. Or if you're just a creepy halfling, go out on the town with your human date. And they can haul your rickshaw around no problem at all. So poppets are, uh, what I would say, one of the better con constructs to start out with. Uh, they definitely give anybody who's a creature builder a good feel for the rules uh, as far as item creation goes. Uh, they're, they're really simple, a good starter. So if you have a new person playing a wizard in your group and they want to be a monster maker, I would definitely recommend the poppet feat for crafting poppets before any other item creation feat because the math is really simple. It's boiled down and you have a lot of leeway for mixing and matching how you're going to build that poppet. Plus, if they get creative and start making it out of, say, the magic needle tree and your opponent grabs a hold of your little poppet, well, then they grabbed a hold of a punching, kicking, screaming little wooden terror that's also toxic to be touching. So that can be a lot of fun, actually. Uh, you can build flying poppets with some of the modifications as well. You can build sneak poppets, uh, little cargo hauler poppets that are not just pulling heavy weight around. You do have a lot of options with these guys, and as far as recommendations goes, this is one of my top ones until somebody gets into the power gamer phase and decides to start just molly whopping your game session. Uh, to go on to from poppets, because uh, what we, we just mentioned, the mansion eel tree, to go from poppets and kind of segue here into druids. Druids are another fun one for the mansion eel tree because, of course, druids only can wear wooden armor. But once they get that immunity to poison kicking in on their leveling, uh, you got the immunity poison, so you get your wooden armor and you cast ironwood on mansion eel tree bark and wear that as your armor. And surprise, you have naturally poisonous armor. And as far as druids go, you got to think WMD on these guys. So, yeah, I'm just I'm going to move right into druids now. And a lot of them I see played are, you know, oh, I have a wolf companion and peace and love and harmony and nature is great. And anybody who's been lost in the forest or knows someone who's been lost in the forest for more than 24 hours knows that nature does not give a flying rat's ass. It does not care. And so when you go out and do your druid stuff, uh, just remember nature is kind of mean. Actually, a lot of mean. It's kind of like the force is out to kill you. And nature doesn't care if you're going out and burying offerings in the soil to it, really. As a druid, you were kind of in that zone that you should be thinking like nature instead of, oh, I'm going to go hug a tree and just bark up a tree with my animal companion and stuff. No, think WMD. Think weapon of mass destruction. There are plenty of things out there you can carry around with you as a druid. Say, seeds for poison oak, seeds for poison ivy. Uh, there's plenty of plants out there which are toxic to the touch. Uh, just go through any nature book that you want to, or you can Google it, whatever. Um, there's many sources out there at your local library if you have one. About some dag nasty plants. Uh, and of course, a druid can be like a complete flipping artard when it comes down to ecological terror so you're basically like 
a walking version of the Earth Liberation Front crossed with a nuclear device as a druid. And if you really want to up your game, this is another one where you got to be like super creative, but not as much as uh, a creature crafter as I previously mentioned. Uh, carry around some seeds for kudzu and you can wipe out a kingdom. It might take a couple few years, but kudzu has a nasty propensity for keeping coming back. It doesn't like to stay dead. Uh, of course, poison oak, poison ivy, you throw some of these seeds around and you do a spontaneous growth, uh, growth spell. Follow that spell up with uh, entangling, uh, entangling vines. Uh, I think that's the name of the spell. It's been a long day. And suddenly your enemies are entangled and now they got itching and rashing to go along with it. So don't just look at the, the rule book and be like, oh, well, I'm going to cast entangle. And, you know, the, the ferns and shrubs are going to... to make my enemy's day worse. You can already make your enemy's day worse because nature provides all the weaponry you could possibly want. This includes even beast shape. And I noticed a lot of people over the years, they tend to go with a beast shape that's kind of sad, really. Um, like they, they turn into a wolf, that's cool. They turn into a raptor, that's cool. They turn into a horse to help their friends out, that's cool. Or they turn into a little bird, that's cool. But nothing says, hey, dude, stop what you're doing, please. Like turning into a box jellyfish and while in like jumping at your the thief in your party and turning into a box jellyfish. I mean, all we need to do for like creative animal things to turn into is just look straight at Australia, the land that wants to kill everybody. They got plenty of creatures out there. Just write down some of these creatures and be like, well, I'm going to turn into a platypus and sting him, you know, because those little bastards. Thank you, Australia, for putting nightmares on my head. Ugh. <clears throat> but there's plenty of creatures out there. And some of them, you know, sure, they are small. But once you get up in levels as a druid, you can totally just ramp up your game. Uh, think like a bullet shrimp. Uh, yeah, you, bullet shrimp, yeah. Those things are not very uh, dangerous, are they? I mean, sure, they hit so hard that it causes air ripples to form around their claws. They punch forward and there's a brief flash of light because of the displacement of molecules. But as you get up higher in level, of course, as a druid, you can go from being tiny to small, from small to medium. And I would be uh, very cautious as another player if a druid turned into a medium-sized bullet shrimp and raised his claws towards me as a defensive action because the moment he punches I am screwed so I'm just saying there's plenty of animals out there to look at other than you know turning into a shark when you get in the water jellyfish are a lot more dangerous Skel uh, squid are uh, a good choice so are octopi or octopuses or whatever it, I grew up knowing it was octopi but apparently the plural has changed I don't know so there's plenty of animals out there and of course when it comes to swarms if you're playing a swarm lord a lot of people like to turn into spiders, that's cool, but be more selective about what kind of breed of spider you turn into and you can really wreak havoc on someone. Because, well, I... Honestly, I've once done it where I turned into a swarm of brown recluses and watched my GM recoil in terror because he knows what they do when they bite you. And this was just, oh, I'm turning into a bunch of spiders and, you know... Yeah, that's great. You turn into a bunch of spiders, you're going to bite the person and hit them with poison. But a brown recluse is way worse. So, 
Again, Australia people, they got worse spiders than we got up here, so... I never want to play D&D with an Aussie because they will scare the crap out of me, I guess. Probably, indubitably. Uh, look for specific breeds of snakes, too. If you decide to turn into a snake as a combat action, uh, you might not be able to get away with saying, oh, I turn into a black bomba. If you can, great. If not, uh, choose one that's also highly venomous, but, you know, smaller, maybe like a rattlesnake or a cottonmouth. So with a druid, think WMD. Be creative about what you turn into. Be creative with your spells. Look at it from the angle of uh, how would nature screw with you, really? Uh, when you go out into the natural world and, you know, just start uh, walking around amongst the trees and plants and stuff, sure, it is calming, it is relaxing to hear the wind blowing through the trees, hearing the sound of a stream nearby while you're fishing, but remember, in the world of nature, and this works in your Pathfinder and Dungeons and & Dragons and your medieval fantasy as well, anyone who goes out in nature to do some fishing, do some kayaking, do some rock climbing, whatnot, we're just guests. At nature at any moment the weather can change and just ruin our day so if you have a druid that can build poppets then you're just double trouble which is kind of what I'm leading up here because a druid has a lot more variables that they can combine when creating uh, little wooden creatures to do damage with and that's what poppets essentially are is they are just constructs made of wood to obey orders and now we get into crafting materials. So to segue back into the bowl sections that I just mentioned before, now you have poison oak, poison ivy, manchineel, you have the corpse flower. There are plenty of things out there that will help you out when building your poppet. And I'm sure by now you're thinking of some plants that I may have missed, and that's great. That's where we want to start is to have you start thinking about plants and animals and creatures out there that really scare the crap out of you that are not so much covered in the Dungeons and Dragons world. So that's where I'm going with this is you have a lot of options if you combine Druid plus Creature Crafter. And of course Druids, uh, they have, do have their own creatures they can create. Um, but if you want to create, uh, let's see, I'm trying to think of the word here. You want to create Audrey from Little Shop of Horrors. You can totally do that with a Creature Crafter. All the spells and feats are in there in the book. And now that you know you've got poison ivy, poison oak, all sorts of nasty things. And plus, there are many plants out there that are really pretty to look at. And I'm thinking of those ones during Christmas time, but they are also poisonous to the nth degree. If you want to really ruin your opponent's day and you know what a blackberry bush is, yeah, that would do it. Imagine entangle with a blackberry bush or crafting the outer layer of your armor with a blackberry bush you can get away with some really good spells to enhance on top of that you know like throw spikes at your opponent that's based on your armor alone as a uh, an extra attack action if you like you could use it as an entangling action you can also just pick berries off your armor and eat it if you feel like it because well they are delicious and nutritious so that's pretty much uh poppets and druids in a nutshell and I, I know it's kind of a long-winded way to go about it that, hey, poppets are really cool, and hey, druids, think weapon of mass destruction. But that's uh, pretty much what I'm trying to get at here in a short amount of time. And I don't know what other classes I would cover for this exactly, because wizards are a no-brainer, clerics are a no-brainer, 
Druids seem to be the one that usually people fit themselves into two roles, and that role could be just so much more brutal, especially as a spellcasting druid, if you're creative as fuck, and go down and look at uh, some plants in your local forestry books, and check out what they do to the human body when people are exposed to them. Some of them out there are really nasty, especially in South America, in Australia yet again. In Africa, there's plenty of plants. Uh, in Europe, uh, especially around France and Spain, that uh, have nasty, nasty canasta. Uh, nasty effects. And when you turn into a swarm, uh, also be creative again. There's plenty of swarms out there that we don't even think about, like those giant-ass wasps over in Japan, you know, that feel like you're being stung with a superheated nail, like a nine-penny nail being driven right into your skin. So, yeah, look at those. There's plenty of things to turn into out there that are not really covered in the books. So... When it comes to your druid, when it comes to item crafting, uh, think outside the book. Yeah, there's a good line for you. Anyway, uh, that's pretty much my advice for poppets real quick in a nutshell, and my advice for druids real quick in a nutshell. And to fill in the last nine minutes or so, I'm going to talk about one of my builds that I've done as a player. It's one of the builds I'm most proud of, actually. And it's not very power gamey. I mean, it can be uh, turned into a power game item really easy. And we're going to go with what I call my dirt launcher. And this came from a campaign about five or so years ago. The situation was the player group. We moved to a desert location. There's no farmland. And the civilization that is currently living there, they just expunged all the local resources. They cut down all the trees for industrialization. They were doing the real Saruman thing out there. They were running low on resources, and of course, now they've only figured out that since there's no trees and there's no longer any grasslands, they are screwed. And the group decides that we're going to try to turn the group of this, the, the city people onto our side. We're going to take over as the lords and show them our awesome powers, adventurers. And it came to me, I was sitting there, I'm thinking, well, how... Do we grow food for these people? And the idea hit me with the dirt launcher. Of course, uh, this takes time. It wasn't a overnight cure-all. Uh, I was playing a sorcerer. But what I did is I looked at the rules and I picked out Decanter of Endless Water, which is one of my favorite magic items of all time. Uh, definitely my top three always must-haves. And for Dungeons & Dragons 2nd Edition, they implicitly state in that one that the decanter of endless water pulls its water supply from the elemental plane of water. And for those who understand the planes, the plane of elemental water is endless. It is an infinite realm of nothing but water. It's basically fluidic space. And the decanter blasts the water out of there. So instead of using a water spell when I built my decanter, I, instead I used a earth spell. So all I did was swap out a water spell for an earth spell because one spell, the water spell, makes it so the decanter links up to the plane of elemental water. And as you can tell by the way I'm getting to this, I set it up so it would tap from the elemental plane of earth. Which, of course, just like the plane of water, is an infinite void of nothing but soil, rock, and dirt. And so then I had basically a dirt launcher. 
pretty easy, pretty straightforward, simple. And what I did on top of that is I made actually a secondary magic item that was mounted onto my wagon. And it was uh, actually intended for another fight entirely that we had. And those gargoyles never saw it coming. Uh, funny story in its own right. So I had a ring mounted on the back of my wagon. And any stone that passed through that ring would turn into flesh. And this is, again, regaling on another story where we were fighting gargoyles. And gargoyles are a lot more easy to take on if you lure them through a trap and they turn into wads of meat. So, combining these two magic items together, I had my dirt launcher, which was just like the decanter of endless water. You turn it on and it fires a stream of dirt consistently forever. Just like the decanter of endless water, it had three settings on it where it would just spit out dust and then it would like spit out on the second level, it would spit out like just normal soil with a little bit of stones in there. And the third one, of course, was just avalanche mode, just where it would just spit out large rocks and chunks of dirt constantly. And yeah, I think you know where I'm going with this because that's what I did is I went out in the fields. I had my, and of course, I'm a big fan of poppets, going all the way back to the first topic here. Uh, by this point, I had actual um, mechanical servitors, and they would just pull me around on my wagon out in the farmlands, or what was to become the farmlands, and I just turned on my dirt launcher, aimed it at the, the circle in the back that I normally would lure gar uh, gargoyles through, and just fired. And so what it just did is all the dirt would not transform into meat, of course, because it's not stone. However, there was small stones that were being ejected from the decanter of endless dirt. And so my dirt launcher would launch this dirt through. The normal soil just remains normal soil, but the chunks of rock inside get uh, turned into meat. And of course, as anybody knows, if you leave meat out in an open field long enough, it will attract insects. And insects are very critical to the process of um, nature. It's part of the, the circle of life. So they, insects would attack the meat, they would eat the meat, they would deposit their eggs, they would churn the soil for us. And so I spent several months out there just launching soil out into an area which I was going to turn into farmland. And it didn't exactly work out as planned. Um, I kind of invoked a, a bit of a pestilence, but hey, learning curve, right? Anyway. The Dirt Launcher is one of my favorite magic items, and later on I retrofitted that, so it had both the ring and the decanter all encompassed into one deal. And I turned that into kind of like a, a Gatling gun, if you will. It was a shoulder-mounted, or underarm-mounted deal with a little trigger on it and everything. And after I learned my lesson from my first failed attempt, I went back out into another field and did it all over again with a few modifications, and the dirt launcher actually fulfilled its purpose. It launches dirt out with chunks of organic material in it. The chunks of organic material, of course, attract insects who turn into the soil. They um, bring in bacteria with them, which also helps with plant growth. And eventually, the dirt launcher was a success in, in growing farmland with a little extra care and help. Apparently, you just can't launch wads of meat into a field and expect miracles, but I tried. So, to make it quick and short, uh, the two items that were primary in, in creating this the first time and then kind of were the primary spells which I built the second time 
is you need an earth spell equivalent to the one that you require for creating a decanter of endless water. So all you do is spell swap on the first part. So instead of using a water spell, you just use an earth spell. Bam, done, easy breezy. And the second component which you build onto it, which at the end of the decanter is basically like a big gun barrel, which is going to eject the dirt. In front of that, about six inches, you have a, uh, a ring that's about 10 inches in diameter. And for that one, you do a stone to flush spell and bam, easy breezy. That's uh, the quickest way I can explain that. So when you activate it, it activates both the ring and the decanter at the same time, launches dirt out and all the soil that passes through the ring gets turned into uh, bits of organic material. So there you go. There was a real quick uh, little 30-minute podcast for you. Maybe give you some ideas. We will be returning back hopefully soon to our normal schedule. Uh, It won't be just me flying solo making stuff up the moment I come in from the door after work. Because that was today's case. We've got things going on here in panic mode, of course, everybody knows. So I just thought I'd hit you with some cheery topics. And just as a side note, if you are... Uh, in any state that is currently affected by uh, you know what because well you can't watch the news without escaping it right now if you are in one of these areas and you do wish to do some more role playing and you're in isolation uh, you can still have some options to you Uh, look at discord it's got automatic dice rollers built into the system you can still use voice chat with your friends so you can host a game online of course there's uh, roll 20 you can do this with You could even set up a uh, Facebook group if you're really super desperate. uh, Facebook does have the ability to uh, open up private groups and you guys can basically go into a private group, use a third party voice chat and, you know, just post text as to what your characters are doing. So embrace the Internet because technology right now is going to give us that connectivity that we won't get if we're all in isolation from each other. And personally, I would say go with Discord since it's got the automatic built-in dice roller and you can just basically take a photograph of your character sheet, post it in the forum, and it's all private. You and your friends can play, talk to each other over voice chat with microphones, and weather the storm like uh, the rest of us are doing, I guess. So anyway, that's it for me. Best of luck to you. And um, don't get the sneezes and coughs, okay, guys? And um, hopefully we'll be back with our regular schedule next week. Uh, that is me, Game Goblin, going back to the land of Tirnanog. This is